Rewilding the Lamb podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff Holderness, and this is Christian McMullen. Um, and we are going to be talking today uh, about the Book of Mormon, the introductory pages, and um, how it relates to men. Really, it's kind of a, a men studying men of the Book of Mormon. And the, the take on talking about the men in Mormon and how it relates to us yeah. in the modern times. Yeah. And there's, there's a ton of stuff that crosses over there that that's really, I feel is overlooked. Yeah. Well, just like we were talking about with, with Nephi, when he talks about his sins, like, yeah, he was, I mean, when you read that, he, it sounds like he's dipped in shame oh. and shame is such a, powerful tool of satan like it is a tool of satan 100 percent, all day every day it is one of his most powerful tools so <laughs> to see that he did that and then he was able to pull himself out of it it's like well and it's you know we all like it's so personable we all feel that it's never talked about like openly um and you know nephi felt it Alma felt it. All of these guys, as you go through the Book of Mormon, they've they experience the same things that we do. And sometimes I think we we end up like putting them on a pedestal, or because it's like such an old book, we don't feel like they're real. It's almost yeah, like story. yeah, you can't. Yeah. It, it's hard to. And so I I think by really doing a study on them and thinking about the situations that they're in and really what they're going through on a more personal level, I think it'll bring a lot out. And I, I know, like I, I saw it in you even the last time that we were talking, like just bringing it up and just starting this conversation lit a fire more so than was before. And like the same thing happened to me, the same thing happens to, other people that you talk to and you kind of start to share this stuff with, like mm-hmm. something resonates with them inside. That's like, there's so much more that we can be doing, and we get in like this rut of just going to church, doing your thing. Um, but the gospel is a lot more exciting than I think a lot of us think it is. Yeah, I actually really, it's one of my favorite things to actually talk about. Yeah, I like some of my best conversations that I have, like outside of church, yeah. is about church. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm at work or whatever and, and and a lot of times it's something like coffee or tea or whatever gets brought up or drinking. Yeah. It's like oh, I don't drink oh, I don't drink coffee or whatever. And then they're like, Well why not? It's like, Well, this is why and then yeah. they're like Wait, what? And then they start asking a bunch of questions. And then yeah. And then you start and then you get into this conversation and then that brings more questions and that brings more conversation. It just can go on and on and on. So it's it's a topic that I can usually just talk about forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I I think that like just that is more than a lot of people do. You know, I think a lot of us get into our own comfortableness and our our day to day, and we joke with the people at the office who do drink coffee, but we don't really like share our testimony we don't really be those people that we we know we should be 
um, and just share what we know to be true. Like we're too afraid to, and I, I, I think it's honestly like a lack of faith almost that we don't, like we don't have enough faith in the gospel, in the doctrine that we're learning or talking about to reach out and just tell people, hey, this is what I believe and this is why. Um, and I think it does a disservice to it sometimes. Well, a lot of times, you know, with the missionary work aspect of the gospel, it's it's actually a lot easier than than people think it is because yeah. a lot of people think missionary work is, oh, I need to just go and, you know, go to my neighbor and tell them or go ask them, hey, come to church with me, which you can do that. But the things that, like, most of my missionary experiences, yeah. almost all of them come from things like, like what I was talking about, about somebody asking about drinking. Like, this didn't get into a conversation, but it's a, it's a question that is typical that can lead into a conversation. Like, yesterday at Jiu-Jitsu, um, there's a, a guy there who's 28, and I'm 38. And he thought I was 28. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm almost 40. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not almost 40. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm 30. I'm 39. He's like, what? Like, I thought you were my age. I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, dude, I'm 10 years older than you. And, uh, but the thing is, he looks my age. Like, he looks older. And he's like, do you smoke? Like, no. He's like, do you drink? Like, no. He's like, do you do drugs? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, that's why. But it's questions like that that usually sometimes end up as like, well, why don't you? And it's like, oh, I don't because of this. And then it, that's where it takes off. And it's just answering questions. Yeah. So. Well, and I think like, at least I know I've done this in the past where like something like that will come up and I'll give like a cop out answer. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's my church. I, I don't believe in it. Or like, oh, I, you know, don't like the taste of it or like whatever it is. But like, instead of, instead of like testifying fervently about the things that we know, like we, we try to like soften the blow because we feel like people don't like, won't take us as seriously or like we'll have bad thoughts about us because we're LDS or whatever it is. Um, but like the guys in the book of Mormon couldn't do that. They didn't do that. And they had so much more success with missionary work when they were true to themselves and true to what they believed. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, the first step is figuring out for ourselves what exactly we believe. Um, and I feel like a lot of people in the church, they don't, they don't even do that. They go to church, they listen to the lessons, they kind of like half believe, but they don't really full believe. Um, but really the first step is figuring that out for ourselves. And then at that point we can kind of start to share it with others. Um, and that's when the, the joy and um, all that kind of stuff, I, I feel like really comes in with the gospel is when you start, you know, for yourself, you start sharing that with others. Um, oddly enough, that's exactly what the first couple of pages of the book of Mormon like allude to anyway. It's like, Hey, this is another, you know, testament of Jesus Christ. Find out for yourself, read it, study it, and find out for yourself if it's true. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I think that it's a good thing, and I think that it can make us stronger uh, in the end. 
church, with ourselves, with our families, in so many different ways. I think it's been a huge blessing. Yeah. So I got a question for you. What gave you the idea of this podcast? All right. So um, for a couple of years, I've been trying to figure out a ton of different things. Um, trying to figure out myself, like testimony wise, um, trying to figure out like really what I believe, what I don't believe. And I, through study, through ponder, prayer, all that jazz, I've, I've come to realize that the church is true more, more so than the church, the gospel is true. Um, I know, I know that the gospel is true. And so any qualms or any disagreements that I might have with the church, I know is, is separate from the gospel because I know the gospel is true. Um, I've read Mormon. I've prayed about it. I know that's true. Um, but for me, the idea of the podcast came when I realized that I needed something more and I can't be the only one in this. And, you know, talking to you, it felt really good and really, um, enriching and so i guess that that kind of testified to me that this is something that can help a lot of people so what's the purpose behind the podcast <clears throat> the purpose is to study the book of mormon and the gospel of jesus christ with a focus on men and how we can take the examples of the people the men, the prophets, and the scriptures, and liken them to our day. And how how do we pull that out and become leaders? How do we pull that out and become strong men of faith um, so that we can bless our families, bless our churches, bless our communities, um, like these great men did? So um, right now we're going to be doing the Book of Mormon, going through the Book of Mormon this year, because it follows Come Follow Me. So yeah. does that mean next year when it goes to go to Doctrine and Covenants next year? Probably. So we'll do the same thing, but with Doctrine and Covenants, I think the Old Testament will do the same thing and New Testament the same thing, right? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be a great, great study to kind of go through it all and really pick out what it means to be a man and how we can utilize that in our lives. And I, I think it's something that other people aren't doing enough of. Yeah. You know, and, and, I think this is going to be super fun, um, you know, over the course of the last couple of years when doing my own studies and whatever, something that I have come to realize is that the, the men and the, and the prophets in the Book of Mormon aren't perfect and that they did struggle and that they had problems and they had their own issues, their own thorns in their side to, to figure out, you know? And, you know, we don't ever, like, really look at them as, as like, imperfect people. Yeah. Like, we think of, like, Nephi, especially growing up, like, Nephi was the baddest dude ever. Yeah. You know, he's, he's this big, strong guy that did no wrong ever. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, he even talks about it. And I, I think I was, I was talking about this right at the very beginning. 
yeah. about like he was talking about how he woes in his sin. And it's like, well, shit, dude, you don't sin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he does. And he had his issues. He has problems. We don't know what they are, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. The thing that matters is that he was a man of faith and he was a man of God. And he did his best to always turn back to God in Christ. Yeah. No, 100%. And I, I love um, so much that there's kind of a central theme throughout a lot of the Book of Mormon, and especially in, in First Nephi. It's this theme of it's, it's line upon line. He's given tasks from God slowly. And as he, as he methodically like approaches those tasks, solves those problems and fulfills God's, God's commandments, he's given a little bit more. And I think our lives are the same. Um, and I, I, I love pulling that out and, and thinking about it. And, and we have, you know, obviously commandments and things that we're asked to follow as members of the church. Um, but God gives us commandments all day, every day through like little spiritual promptings. Hey, this, hey, that. And it's, it's our adherence to those that, that really brings a lot of power, I feel like, in our lives. And I love that you can read that and see that and experience it with Nephi throughout uh, the first book of Nephi and, and throughout the whole Book of Mormon. But, um, like, God's got plans for every single one of us. And I, he's, he's way more involved in our lives than I think we realize. 100%. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And so... Just because you don't recognize that he's there doesn't mean that he's not there. Exactly. Well, and, and he's, he's involved. Like he's trying to get us to, you know, do the smallest things that'll bring us just a touch closer to him. Um, and it's, it's cool to be able to read those small things, pull them out and think about them and apply them to our lives. Hey, how can I take X, Y, and Z that Nephi did? And how can I better my standing? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better husband for my wife, a better father for my kids, um, a better neighbor, a better brother? How do we how do we figure this out? Um, so yeah, I think I think the study uh, will be of benefit. I'm super. Um, oh, what is the word? Selfish, I guess, because I, I I really want to do it. I, like for myself, I'm like, hey, I want to be better at this, and this is going to be a way that I can do that. Well, bettering ourselves is, is the way that we're able to better other people. Yeah. So, so you can look at it like it's selfish, but in reality, you're bettering yourself so that you can help better other people. Because that's really the whole point of this podcast to help better other people yeah. while you're bettering yourself as well. Exactly. So, um, but I, I totally get it. Um, so. We're going to be following along with Come Follow Me. Each episode is going to be for one week of Come Follow Me. Right. So, so this week, talking about, you know, just about a little bit about what the podcast is and what we're doing. But that means that this episode would also be about the introductory to the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. So January... What is it? <laughs> what are the dates? Is it the first through the seventh? Oh, yeah, because the first was Monday. was a Monday. So the first through the seventh. So, um, and we'll be working on, so we're going to be working on the episodes 
a week in advance so that it's ready for the week of study. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we can dive in, kind of take a look at a couple things. Um, reading through it, there were a couple things that stuck out to me um, in the title page and a, and a couple of other items. But what what stuck out to you as you were looking at it or reading through it? Anything major? Um, I I typically skip over. <laughs> the, the title page the introductory to the, to the to the book of mormon i usually just like to start start off at first nephi um but i i listened to it actually today um and you know one of the things that that did that i did notice that you actually brought up before we started recording was um where it says if if there's any what does it say if there's any fault in the translation it's the fault of man or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, kind of right at the end. So it's it's the one reason why that, that stands out to me is because God is perfect. God is all knowing. God has all knowledge and he is the one source of actual truth. Him alone. Yeah. Right. So if there's anything wrong in this book then we know that it's not because of of him mm -hmm. it's because of a mistake from a translation error or something like that yeah <laughs> well and you you look at what it took to bring the book of mormon about and it's nothing shy of a miracle like all everything that had to happen from you know the beginning when Nephi and his brothers get the plates all the way to when, you know, Moroni is burying it in the ground and has faith that God is going to provide someone to grab it, translate it, you know, hundreds of years later. Um, like there's, there's no way that the, the book couldn't be from God. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's a, a huge, huge thing that we is just like how important it is to have faith that, you know, we really are able and and if we're willing to follow God's commandments that he can provide a way for them to, to happen. And just as Nephi says, um, and it, it, again, just ev everywhere in the Book of Mormon, it, it's got examples of, of that happening over and over so i think you should talk again so again before we recorded you were talking about moroni mm -hmm. i think you should dive back into that because those are some awesome points that i feel yeah. need to be here yeah so um reading through the title page so the title page was written by mormon who was moroni's dad um but moroni was the one that actually put it all together and kind of put every, you know, the, all the books and stuff that were compiled, put it all together. But um, as I was reading it, and as I've kind of been thinking about it in the last little bit, Moroni, when he was putting this together, was kind of in a, a really interesting place. Um, his dad had been working his whole life compiling the Book of Mormon together. And, you know, account things that people have are there were hundreds of plates that they had 
written on hundreds of records, just tons of, of information and histories that the Nephites had been keeping throughout the, the centuries, throughout the hundred years that they had. And so he was taking all these records, compiling them into what we have as the Book of Mormon. And this was his life. It was his work. Um, at the same time, the Lamanites were killing all of the Nephites. They were, you know, done with, with Christ. They didn't want anything to do with anyone who believed in Christ. And so they were literally just killing anyone who wouldn't deny Christ and wouldn't join them. Um, and so obviously, uh, Moroni and his dad, Mormon, couldn't do that. They weren't going to deny Christ. So, actually, Mormon gets killed. He's the old, old he gets killed by the late nights. And Moroni is the last Nephite in the Americas who still believes in God. And I just imagine like this huge weight on his shoulders. Um, he's probably a pretty young man. Um, I don't know. I, I guess you could go go and look and find out kind of like what his age range was. But I, I imagine him being pretty young. Um, and dude, he's got this weight of putting this book together and sealing it up and picking the right place to, you know, make it work. Um, and dude, I just imagine him feeling super alone. I'm sure Christ was with him. I'm sure he communicated all the time, prayed all the time. Dude, it's probably the only way he kept his sanity, dude. Yeah. Wandering. I mean, he's he's hiding, and just because the fear, because he probably had the fear of his life mm -hmm. for a, for at least a while. Yeah, you know, he probably had his ups and downs with that. He has probably had his days where he was like, "No, I I have my faith in God. He's asked me to do this, and I know I'm going to be able to get this done, and and not ever question it." And then there's probably other days where it was tougher than others, where he was like, "Man, are they going to find me? Are they going to kill me before I can get this done?" Like, what if I don't get this done? And, you know, what if he made a mistake that, you know, whatever it is yeah. that that probably played through his head when he was doing this, when he was bridging the plates. Yeah. And trying to figure it out. You know, he was a warrior, so I'm sure he knew what he was doing. But, dude, they had to feel so long. I can't imagine being the last person. You know, they didn't have any communication with Jerusalem. They didn't have any communication with anyone else at this time. So literally, he was the last believer in God. And, you know, he had to feel alone. But he still had faith. He still knew that, you know, what God told him was going to happen as long as he, you know, did what he needed to do. And he did it. Um, and I, I think those pages... You know, in the front of the Book of Mormon, it's easy to skip over them, um, but I do feel like there's lots of, like, little nuggets in there when you actually do read it. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I read it, like, even on my mission, I don't think I ever really read it or, like, read it seriously, mm -hmm. but I remember, I feel like it was, it was, like, when, it was a couple of years ago in, like, General Conference or something, I think they were talking about it. And it was kind of pushed to read it. And I just remember reading it and, and thinking what a miracle it was to, to have. And it kind of kind of brought that into perspective for me. And it was probably like me getting older, understanding more, having more, you know, wisdom and knowledge. But 
but it just stuck out to me how really how important this book is. Where did you serve your mission? Served in New York City. Yeah, Mandarin speaking. Mandarin speaking? Yeah. Are you still fluent still? It's been a while since you've been on your mission. Not really. I can, you know, understand it and speak a little bit, but not not like I was. Um, but but yeah, it was a that was a cool mission. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, so let's go to so that's introductory. Let's go to the testimony of the three and eight witnesses. Um. So yeah, their testimony of the eight and three witnesses. Um, they were pretty important to me when I was reading through them. A lot of times in the scriptures, it talks about how you need witnesses. And on missions and stuff, we use companionships. Um, the disciples oftentimes went out like two by two and stuff. Um, and I think without these witnesses, it would be a lot easier to, to disprove or not take as seriously Joseph Smith's claims. And so I think that's really what these two kind of passages are trying to do. Um, they're kind of cool stories of like what they are actually. The three witnesses, um, you know, actually saw an angel, got to handle the plates, handle the sword of Laban, that kind of thing. Um, and the fact that they were willing to testify and stuff of it to, you know, the end of their days was pretty cool. Um, I was listening to another, like, Follow Me podcast, and some guys were talking about how I think either two, yeah, I think two of the three were excommunicated. Mm -hmm. And I think one of them rejoined um, kind of towards the end of his life, but the other one didn't. But all three of them pretty much went to their grave saying that these things happened. I know Oliver Cowdery and Martin Harris both got excommunicated. I don't know about David Whitmer. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was Cowdery and Harris that were. I think David Whitmer... I don't think there was like they were saying that there wasn't much information on them, but I'll have to look at that again. I I do know that like there are a couple of accounts of like on their deathbed they're like we know that this happened, <laughs> and so I I kind of thought that that was cool that you know even after being excommunicated after having differences with the church they were still willing to say they never denied their testimonies yeah, yeah of that it happened yeah and so that's cool. Um, and then obviously there's Joseph Smith's testimony, which is pretty cool to read too. Um, get some ideas. I was, <laughs> I missed this. I did not, I didn't listen to this today. Oh, really? Yeah. I just got through the eight witnesses and then. No, this one's cool. There's kind of some good nuggets in it. Um, I was impressed by at his age, how good he was at following the directions. Um, of Moroni, um, kind of, and it, it talks about how he gets the plates and, and how he translated it. There's a bunch of kind of good little nuggets in there. Um, but it took him some time, man, a couple of years. That's a long time to like prepare, go back. Um, he had to go to the El Camorra, you know, on the same day every single year for four years before Moroni actually gave him the plates. I'm saying, because he was. 14 mm -hmm. when he first 
I think that was the first vision. I think it was a year or two later before Moroni actually appeared to him and said, like, hey, I want you to go get the plates. Um, I always get his age mixed up. So it says September of 23. The first vision happened when he was 14. Yeah. And that was in 1820. So, so that means he was 17 when it started. When it started. Yeah. Um, so if it four years later, it means he was 21 before he actually got the plate. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Dude, could you imagine? Could you freaking imagine being that age? 17-year-old. 17, I mean, even the first vision when he was 14. Like, that alone is, like, mind-boggling. I mean, 14, like, I look back when I was 14. I'm like, uh, I was playing Diablo 2, like, 14 hours a day. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to school. Like, like I, was, I was just being a late butt. 14, that's just, like, mind-boggling, man. And then 17, start getting those, those, uh, the, the, started talking to, to Moroni about the plates and then you wonder between like 14 to 17 those three years that that it's like what what was going on during those three years yeah because he he all, he went and told his parents he wasn't joining any of the churches because he had found out for himself that they were all wrong so during that three years it's like what was going on in his head what was going on in his in his head when he for those three years when he was a teenager? Yeah. Well, and it talks about, I mean, he talks about his struggles that he had, kind of going along with Nephi. Like again, we put him on a pedestal sometimes, but like these are just men. All of us, like, we're all imperfect. We're all just trying our best. Um. And and. They make mistakes just like we do. They're not anything special. It almost sounds right. sacrilegious to say that. <laughs> like these, but it's not. These prophets, but it's not. Yeah, and it's um, the sooner we can like understand that, I feel like the sooner we can get on the same page as them. Totally. Like, and we can do these cool things that they do, but we have to first believe it and you know take what they say to heart and try to try try to be better um and it doesn't take much i i'm really like curious about his uh his his time as a teenager between the first vision yeah and the time that moroni came and visited him in his bedroom what he went through what accounts there are of that i'm sure there's something somewhere i've never seen anything yeah or read anything about it but I think in Joseph Smith history, he talks a couple times and he talks about how like he was rambunctious in his youth yeah, and like a couple things like that. And I, I think like he gets admonished a couple of times, like, and I think, I think he words it in Doctrine and Covenants as like loud laughter or like something like that. But like, it 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 just makes him more real. Just like you said, it's like it's like you're you're in the basement playing Diablo, and then like Moroni appears and is like, "Hey, dude, I need you to get these plates." It's like, uh, okay, um, but no, I mean it's 
we don't we don't realize how like these men we are um and what they go through and and i i I really believe that learning more about them and learning how and why they operate the way they did is is kind of the secret to success to finding the truth that we know and then also sharing that with others that's where committed to his perspective cool so love that well i uh i'm excited for for these uh discussions i think they're gonna be awesome i think it's gonna be super super insightful mm-hmm. um and i really hope that it it resonates with others like yeah. it does me and you like the conversation that we had our first night yeah we we're just like yes oh my gosh like I'm, I'm. There's got to be more than just me and you that think the way that we think. Yeah. So. Nope. I agree. That's why we're putting it together, and and um. Yeah, I'm excited for what it can become. Right on. Thank you so much for uh, spending the time with us today. Um, please like, follow, and subscribe to our channel, Wilding the Lamb. Um, we've also got social media accounts on uh, various social media apps that uh, if you'd rather follow us there, that works out as well. Um, Instagram, Facebook, X. Um, we appreciate any and all feedback and we'll see you next time.